I, I told Pastor Neil a while back, said if you ever need me in a pinch, but not a whole lot, that I would I want to be an encouragement and a strength to him. So I got a text yesterday morning uh, to say, hey, bud, can you take it over? I haven't missed in 12 or 13 years. Is there any way you can fill in? And I said, I certainly can. So you're not going to get Pastor Neil. You'll get Dean. But I'm, uh, I love him so much. I, I'm a man of the word. I love the word of God, as many of you all do. And uh, when I came and sat under his ministry, I was like, this guy loves the word of God. And the way he presents the faithfulness to it and his honor of the textual script and how it's brought life into me. There's many times I've been wiping tears just as he's preaching on any given Sunday. And so I was worried about having to preach and take his, you know, be in his pulpit because I honor him very much. But let me explain, I guess, how our, we would differ in our oration. He's very exacting. He's very good at uh, pinpoint accuracy, I believe. It'd be like him carrying in, if the, the, the Word of God is water to our souls, Neil will carry in two five-gallon buckets and very precisely and very preciously making sure he didn't lose a drop. Then he would come to each one of us with a ladle, dip out of that ladle, and be very careful and precious because he's a pastor to bring it to your lips to make sure you get all that the Word has for us. I'm a little different. I love the Word of God probably the same as Neil, I would hope. I come in with two five-gallon buckets, but I come in clashing and excited. Water splashing everywhere. Don't mean that I'm, I'm not, uh, don't care about the water that's splashing, but it's, a dif it's different. So hopefully the, water of the, the living water of God's word will splash on you this morning, and some will get some in your lips. Hopefully everybody will get wet. But yet when it comes to your lips, it'll cause a, a desire for the word of God so that when pastor comes back next Sunday with that ladle, You'll be sitting on the edge of your seat because something extraordinary happened in your life this morning. How many know New Year's is a time of reflection for us to do introspection and for new hopes for the new year? Looking back on the old one, but also looking to the new one. And with what's going on in our society and what's going on in the world, there's a lot of ifs, isn't it? If we get the vaccine, if we don't get it, if we get the mandate, if we don't, if, we, if, 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 right? If this pandemic will end, if, if, if. A lot of ifs. Will the political system make it? Will our military be strong enough? Will our education system fall? I'm not here to quiet any of those ifs. I'm actually going to add some more to it. But these ifs will be ones that should quiet the other meaningless ifs. It's the ifs that we find in Scripture that cause you to reflect upon who you are in the Lord and to make sure that your footing is sure and sound in Christ because He's worthy. Would you go with me in prayer as we, I'm going to lift up Neil for his illness, if, if we would, together, and also for the service, just to open us apart. But we love you. There's no one like you, Lord. Who do we have in heaven but you? And what can we desire more on earth than you? Besides you, there's nothing, Lord. We love you. Our confidence is in you that you will lead us and guide us, Lord, that you would take us into all truth. And as Neil would say on any given Sunday, Holy Spirit, fill this place. We need your presence to lead and to guide and to have our ears be open and our eyes opened and our hearts wide open for what you long to speak to us, Lord. So we long for that. We pray for our pastor, Lord, and Christine and Claire and Owen, that you would strengthen them, Lord, that you would right now, he will feel infusion of your strength and your presence that will lift him and undergird him and strengthen him right now in his sickness. We thank you for your provision over him and how he's been a wonderful pastor for us. Protect him and the whole family. Lord, protect this service. Let anything that's of Dean fly away quickly and let it be worthless as, it is, as I know that it is. 
But everything that is of you, let it be glorious and truthful and powerful and be a treasure to each one that's here. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably, I think, one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible is Romans 8. So you can turn with me to Romans 8. Many of you all know a lot of the text that lies in Romans 8. It starts out with, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And throughout Romans 8, we get a lot of verses that actually encourage us and actually make us feel very assured. Come on, y'all can help me, right? If God be for us, that's great. I know that God's working all things out for our... It's reassuring what can separate us from the love of Christ. All these passages in Romans 8 that embrace us and make us feel solid and assured in our Christianity. And for that, I'm... I cling to it, I'm forever grateful. But even in the middle of that, we're going to really key on 8 through 18, and I'll be watching the time, where it actually brings ifs. What a big word, right? Two letters, I-F. But the punch that it packs in this passage is absolutely makes you shake a little bit, makes you tremble a little bit. And that's okay. I think in our Christianity, if you've been a Christian long enough, there's times where you feel like, hey, I, I feel close to the Lord and things seem to be going well and I, I feel pretty good. And other times you're wondering if you're a Christian at all, if you're honest. And I think what's going on in the world and how things are moving and what God is allowing to let even the church be judged, for we know that judgment starts with the household of God. That he's awakening each one of us to say, where am I in the Lord? Is the Lord truly in me? And I think that's valuable more than ever today. So the big if. But I'll start with verse 8 because it actually should uh, awaken us to a sobriety when it says, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it immediately comes to us like, of huge importance. It would kind of remind us of Hebrews 6 that says, without faith it's impossible to please God, but those who believe and come to God must believe that He is and that He's a reward of those who diligently seek Him. It's the same thing. Without faith it's impossible to please God, and in the flesh it's impossible. We cannot please God. All right, Paul, in your Romans letter, speak to us. Verse 9, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And everybody says, yay. <laughs> yay. All of a sudden, however, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. And so now we get assured. So we're not flesh. And then he goes, if. Uh-oh. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And I don't think he's just doing it like just, it sounds good after that, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He's actually wanting to pack a punch if. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Or you and it goes on to say, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. It's a seriousness in this if, isn't it? It's something that we must ask ourselves truly, Christ, are you in me? I want to be assured the, the greatest responsibility you ever have, forget any other question you ever have to answer, is who is Jesus Christ to you? The greatest question you'll ever be asked. 
And it can't be a historical Jesus or somebody else's Jesus. It will have to be a heart answer from you to go, I know that He is the Lord of my life. He's Savior and He's Lord and King. It comes from within you. It comes of a surety that comes. And it comes from the Spirit of Christ that is indwelling you. He says, if indeed the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. Those are sobering words. It even gets more serious where he says, if Christ is in you, though the, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him, but if the Spirit of Him raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. But if. How many know that's pretty serious when he's talking about eternal things now? He says that if He's in you, that same Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you, He'll be the same Spirit that will raise you up out of your dead body and bring you to make you alive with Christ in heaven. That's eternal seriousness. It's important that we check our lives to know whether we are in Christ and Christ in us. I was going to present, saying, man, it would be great just to present a message of hope. Romans 15, 13. One of those ones that would make us feel good. And I was like, well, solidify the fact is, is Christ in you. It says... Christ in you, the what? Hope of glory. For us to have hope, Christ has to be the one that the hope comes from. So this is why I'm reading these texts. So we know then the importance of it and the eternal seriousness of the if that we should ponder, I think, always our Christianity. Not that you're always unassured, but that you're making sure that you are saved and in the Lord. So Paul, what he does is after he brings the seriousness of the if and, and questioning and making sure that you understand and you're looking to the assurity of Jesus in you, he goes into 12. And he says, so then. And usually anytime he says, therefore, so then, he's attaching the, that verse with the ones preceding that. He says, so then, brethren, we are under obligation. We don't like usually hearing that word because we think of uh, legalism or religiosity. But Paul makes it clear here that if God is in you, if Christ Jesus is in you, if the Spirit of God is in you, there will be certain earmarks, there will be certain watermarks, there will be certain things that are flowing from the heart of that individual. The Spirit of Christ, if He's in you, there will be life shown, the life of Christ. How many know that the, the Christianity is a, a, a supernatural life? Come on, don't be... True? I mean, think about you being born again, that He just comes and your will was not for God, and you were dead in your sins and transgressions. You were blind. You need to be, have new eyes. You need to be born again to even see into the kingdom of God. You need to be born again from above. That's supernatural, people. When He removes the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, that's a supernatural act. That's why there's a problem when it's only profession of people that think they're Christians and they've never had a born-again experience. It brings sobriety because it makes you think, truly have I been born again from above? So what we do a lot of times, we detach all feelings from faith because we know faith is not based on feeling. Amen? But then we totally just remove feelings like they're not a part of it, so we just read texts on the Scriptures, and there's really no invoking of something supernatural within us. When Jesus says stuff like this, through Paul, the Holy Spirit would say, rejoice always. 
How many think it's when rejoice always like this? Rejoice always. No feeling from you, no, no utterance from you, nothing coming from within. It's just, I'm doing what He tells me to do. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray without ceasing. Church, this is a relational, intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. A living Lord who's active and present and wants to be very near you all the time. So when I pray, you know, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. He's my life breath. People have said, have said to me before, you use religion as a crutch. I say, oh no, a stretcher. Jesus is my absolute everything. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. I'm here up here in front of you because it's the Lord's will. I'm breathing because He's willing it. You're here because He's willing it. We need Him every moment. So we see that there's a life that will come from the Spirit of Christ that lives in you. You can see things and you can check them off, if you, if you would say, by looking in the Scripture and saying, Is that, can I find that in me? Lord, help me find that in me. So then, verse 12, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Here's another if, 13. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if... By the Spirit, by the Spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's one for you. How is your efforts in your fight against sin? How much have you allowed a pet sin that you leave at your foot of your bed that was a little cute little lion cub for years? You just pet it and let it live there. But then it grows up and you wonder why it ate your kid or took off your right leg. Sin is nothing to be played with. The people that have the spirit of holiness riding in, rising up inside of them will put their finger on sin, never like it, and always be battling against it. Come on. Amen. John Owen says, if you're not killing sin, sin will be killing you. I mean, no, it's not, we can't perfection. But we can't use that as an excuse to say the living Lord and the wonderful Lord of glory lives in me. I want to live for His glory. I want to have righteousness. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to see Christ's image bearing out in my life and how I do my taxes, how I relate to my neighbor, how I do my job, how I love my wife, how I take precious my children, how I honor God in the house of God, how I'm faithful to the house of God, how I pray. And how I attack sin. There's another lady that writes for Desiring God that said that you need to be putting a fresh nail in the coffin of your pet sin every day. I was thinking, I don't know if it applies to you all, church, but it certainly applies to me. And I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. He says, if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit you're doing what? Putting to death the deeds of the body, then you will what? Live. Wow. Paul's pretty clear. So that's why I feel very confident going through here because if you get mad at me, you kind of got to get mad at Paul a little bit. I'm just kind of going through Scripture here. 
There's obligations. There's, there's things that will be seen. There's things that we have to take ownership of. But see, why? The Spirit of God didn't come in. Now you just become a, a, just a robot. Holiness. You're going to actually participate with the living Spirit of God. You're going to participate with the Spirit of Christ that's in you. It's intimate. It's cooperation. That's why He's asking, if you... By the Spirit put to death. You're cooperating with the Spirit of God. That's how you can know that you're walking in the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Are you putting to death the sins of the body? 14. For all who are being led... It's funny, it follows after 13. I'm a genius, Anna. For all who are being led by the Spirit... So the Spirit's leading you to kill sin, but whoever's led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. There's another earmark. How do you determine your day? How do you determine your future? How are you looking to how you're going to do this or that? Are you putting God first? Are you communicating with God? Lord, lead me. God, let your will be the greatest thing in my life. I know your will is perfect. I know your, your will is good. I know your will is desirable. I want your will in my life as the greatest thing in my life. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Guide me, Holy Spirit. The leading of the Lord will produce what? He says, the Spirit, I'll give you the Spirit of truth and He will guide you into what? All truth. All truth. We want the Spirit of God to move in our lives that we have a hunger for God's Word like never before. How many want that this year? I think uh, uh, you said it, John, just saying it. How many are going to read through the Bible again? And I'm like, I, I'm going to read through the Bible again. I'm going to try to read through it twice. Oh, he's holy. No, I need it. <laughs> I need more. I have to have him. It's, oh, he's just, no, 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 no. I'm desperately in love. I need the presence and the power and the Word of God to radiate in my life. If not, when Dean takes ownership, you know. When Dean's ruling, you know. Everything stinks. When I let the Spirit of God live in me and him come out, Everything is beautiful like He is. He's glorified. So those who, then, so we know that putting to death sin, led by the Spirit, leading into truth, honoring God's Word, and we're getting close to the end. Free from fear. Hmm. Especially now, this would be a really good one. Huh? For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. How many are letting fear just rule them? And he's really dealing with the fear of the fact that if Jesus Christ, who has, and we know has purchased our sin, as we're going to go to the table here in just a few minutes, if we know that Jesus purchased our sin and paid the penalty, then we're free from fear of our sin having any penalty or anything that will lay over us that God's wrath is not on us any longer because Jesus died for us. Amen? Fear has been removed. So even death, why should I fear death? For dear, death only ushers me into the presence of God. I just changed my address. He removes fear. The fear of sin. It removes the fear of death. It removes the fear of the world. We don't need to worry about what's going to happen. We already know what's going to happen because we see Jesus. We already know what's going to happen because we read His Word and know what He's doing. We trust in what He's doing. And the comfort of His Spirit settles us. Do we have assurance that God is protecting us for all eternity? 
We're free from fear. That's another earmark, another mark we can look at in the if. In verse 16, well, verse 15, continue with that, is the Abba, the expression of Abba, Father. I've said this to, to, to the Lord. I've asked Jesus this. I get very personal with the Lord. I said, Jesus, I want to be able to say Father like you say Father. When I pray Father, I want to be able to say like G- Father. Wouldn't it be incredible? He offers us that. By the Spirit of the living God in you, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Church, it can get no more intimate. That word Abba is like Daddy. You nestling up to a good father and nestling up to his chest and lay your head on his bosom and saying, Father. That's what the Spirit of the living God puts in you. It's a spirit of intimacy. It's a a spirit in you that wants to pray and communicate. The The health of your life, of your Christianity, is I will put it on how much you pray. How much do you know Him? How much do you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, then how much do you talk to Him? You have the Spirit of Christ in you. You will cry out intimately and pray intimately and worship intimately, Abba, Father. 16 is is shaking. and I preached this a long time ago and many people were challenged by it and some got free from it. But this is... The Spirit, verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. So what I want you to do is take just 30 seconds and ask yourself, does the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, testify with your spirit that you are a child of God? Oh, no, 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 absolutely. We're never going to deter from the Word. That's where you're going to find your confidence. We find the foundation of of God's uh, doing in Christ and what He did for us on the cross is absolutely the foundation. But you must ask yourself, is the Spirit of God testifying with my spirit that I am a child of God? That produces a little bit of different focus. And then the final if is, and if children... Heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, and that wonderful, if indeed we suffer with him, that we shall also be glorified with him. So what happens in this passage, this last verse is, if children, because he says his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if that's the case, if children, heirs also, you feel like an heir, I don't know, I don't care what this world can take from me, I have it all in Christ. So I'm an heir of God, a fellow heir with Christ. In other words, is he your treasure? Is Jesus Christ the treasure of your life? That the world could take and strip you of everything you have. And I say it would be easy. Come on, I like my lazy boy recliner. But if it did, do you still have the most important thing? You know Hebrews 12 says there will be a shaking, Jesus said. There will be a shaking. That he will shake all kingdoms, all nations. So that which remains, you will see. I believe he's doing it now. I believe God, Jesus Christ, is shaking everything from every political system, from every kingdom, from everything, insurance industry to medical industry, and shaking it all to see if Jesus Christ will pop up on your horizon and say, oh, there he is, and then all of a sudden he radiates from your life and not being dependent on everything else. Some of y'all are hoping for Pastor Neil quicker. <laughs> If indeed we suffer with him. Let's finish with that. The final if. If indeed we suffer with him. How many want to just turn the page on that? For if indeed we suffer with him, then we will be 
glorified with Him. And then Paul ends with, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to be revealed to us. How many will get for Jesus to get a hold of you that way, no matter what happens, you're looking to eternal glories of Christ Jesus, you're seeing the face of Christ, and anything else that goes on, somebody sees something different in you. Do you know we're supposed to be giving a defense for the hope that is within us? If we don't look any different than the world in how they fear and how they have anxiety and how we have to find rest somewhere else other than Jesus Christ, they won't come to you for the hope because the hope is not in you. So this morning I want you just to exchange your if, the big IF with the big IN. Back to Romans 8, 1. Therefore now, therefore now, if anyone be in Christ. That's wrong. That's 2 Corinthians. <laughs> therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Let's, let me just pray for us. Lord, we want the reality of your presence. We know it's not based on feeling. It's not based on sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We know the word is so instrumental in giving us our boundaries, the textual scripture that is inerrant, that exhorts and encourages and instills in us. We see you in scripture. That's how we get our ground of who you are. We find you there. It's, it's never ending and never changing. But God, I also would ask that you manifest yourself in a precious way to everyone in the sound of my voice, that you make yourself known, that they would ask themselves the different ifs to see if they have you residing in them and, and not to be discouraged that if they do see that if. And even if they're challenged, it actually is an encouragement to believe this, that you are working in them, that the Spirit of Christ is awakening them to want to questions. So Father, I ask you by the power of your Spirit to convict to encourage, to seal, to affirm, to assure your presence. And that, that you would do a work in Forest Park Church in this next new year. Lord, we thank you for 2021. It was the year of our Lord. We thank you that you did exactly what you had purposed. We give you glory for it. We look back in thanksgiving saying, God, it was hard, but you prevailed. It was hard, but you were faithful. And Lord, it gives us great encouragement in 2022 to say this is the year of our Lord. You have great things in store for your people. May your name be exalted and lifted up. May you be glorified and honored. Fill everyone that's here with a, 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 just a thrilling touch of your spirit that you would motivate us to be in the Word this year like never before. That when Pastor Neil goes to minister, Lord, we're like on the edge of our seat waiting and anticipating and hungry for you to give us more of yourself. We just magnify your name, Lord God. We just worship you. Just take a time just to ask the Lord just to reveal itself to you as, as the worship team comes back, as we get ready to take communion together. The community table is open to everyone who's called upon the name of the Lord. And maybe even if you're struggling, and even some of the things I presented to you brought question. This is how you know the validity of Christ, that he offers himself moment by moment to you as Lord and Savior of life. His blood that purged you of your sin, 
forgives you of your sin. His blood, His body that was broken so that you could enter into heaven, the veil that was torn for you. He offers Himself to you. I love uh, Revelation 3, 16 about the lukewarm that if you're lukewarm and either hot nor cold, he would spew you out of his mouth. And you're like, that's intense. And that's 16. If you're going down to 20, it says, but behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open up, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. And right after he's saying, you're lukewarm, I'm getting ready to spew you out of the mouth, he comes knocking. To avail himself to you once again, to me once again, saying, Son, I want more of you. Son, I'm offering myself more to you. Invite me in. Let me come in. Hear my words. So don't fear. Look to Jesus. I think Robert McShane says, 10 views of looking at your, uh, no, one view of looking at yourself, you need to look at Jesus ten times. Fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the communion table is about, is honoring him for what he's done for us, but also to quiet the ifs. That he would be precious enough to offer himself to us again. That when we look at this body that was broken, this blood that was shed for us, we can take it personally and honor him. He says, every time that you do, you do in remembrance of me. I take this very personal. I want you to just think about something real quick before we partake. Could you imagine when we get to heaven? You know, he says, I will not drink of this cup again. He told the disciples until I drink it with you. Could you imagine Jesus coming to each one of us? Because it's going to be very personal, heaven. I know it's going to be millions of people, but somehow he's going to be my Jesus <laughs> and yours. There could be times of intimacy where he's going to walk up to me. And I'm going to see the scars on the head, and I'm going to see the scars in the hand. And he's going to offer this again to me. Because it says we sing the song of the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Could you imagine him walking up to you and you looking into those powerful eyes? And he offers us, take this. Lord, we thank you for the body that was broken. That we could enter in. So Lord, by faith and by your supreme sacrifice and the offering of your body, do we enter in more into you, Lord Jesus. Won't you take and eat? Thankful for the blood, Amen. It said in the night that he was betrayed, he offered up his body, and he also said, take this cup. This is the cup of the new covenant. Everything you can't do to honor God and to be close to God, Jesus did. And it comes through the access that you have. They inaugurated and sealed on your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we take it and we honor him. Take it, please.